Voice Global is coming June 9th, a fully virtual event packed with live keynotes from industry leaders and innovators, practical workshops, insightful panels, and some well-deserved entertainment for voice enthusiasts around the world. Learn more about this free event and how to host a viewing party at voicesummit.ai slash global. That's voicesummit.ai slash global. And great news, if you still want to speak at Voice Summit 2020 this fall, submissions are now open through June. So be sure to get your proposals in at voicesummit.ai. Yuxol Tulin is a lawyer by day in Turkey, but he's also a Google developer expert. Listen as he talks about his passion for developing voice skills, as well as teaching developers how to do the same, why he says translating emotions and feelings is imperative for voice skills, how he suggests hosting developer events, and what developers should know about creating voice skills. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your host, Kerry Roberts. And today my guest is Yuxal Tolum. He's a lawyer and Google developer expert. Welcome, Yuxal. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So I know that you're a lawyer during the day. So I'm curious what got you interested in technology and specifically voice technology enough to pursue this on the side as well. I have been interested in programming for all my life. I have met programming when I was 10 and ever since then, I have been interested in web. I wanted to build things that many people would use. That got me into you know, building web applications. And then I went to the law school, but kept pursuing it. I always had this interest. But one, thing, one good thing about not thinking about making money from development is that you get to pursue fields that are experimental, that other developers might see you know, non-profitable. Uh, I was one of those people lucky enough to have the time and the energy to pursue these fields. And one of them was chatbots. I read an article about chatbots on how they were the future of technology, future of interfaces. And I was, you know, eager to try how try and learn how to build one. That got me into API AI and then API AI became Dialogflow, got integrated with Google Assistant, and that's how I ended up with voice technology. But when I made my first voice application, it literally spoke to me. I said, this is what I want to do. This is what I actually been looking for, you know, ever since I started programming. And uh, that got me hooked. I, ever since, I have been developing most applications in one way or another. I love that. I love that that passion has been there for so long. One of the things you've mentioned before that's important to you is the ability to translate emotions and feelings of a voice skill from one language to another. Why is it something that needs to be thought about and how do you suggest it be done? This is something I always talk about in my talks and workshops because I actually talk to a group that is probably going to translate one skill or experience or another. So this is really important to talk about. I've actually talked about this in another interview. Languages have you know, small nuances that can change the entire experiences or change the meaning of a sentence. So we need to think about these when translating an experience, because sometimes I translate an action or a voice experience or a conversation, and I take a look at the sentence, it's grammatically correct, but that's not Turkish, that's not how we would say it. We should think about, like we're writing a novel and we're trying to impress the reader, we should think about what the person or the user 
is going to feel when they interact with this user experience. So it's really important for developers or conversation designers to take into account what's you know appropriate to say in a one language or some of the little you know uh, idioms or maybe phrasal verbs. You know we should really think about the conversational nuances before translating a skill or voice experience. That's really important. I've actually talked about Harry Potter on this subject before. I'm going to do it again. Harry Potter's Turkish translation is one of the best translations, in my opinion. I've read it in both languages, and I'm really happy that I got to read it in Turkish because translators took the time to make the spells or the made-up words that Jack Carolyn came up with sound like Turkish. They translated them in a way that makes sense both you know, as a portmanteau of two words, usually they are, and in a way that sounds Turkish, that is phonetically closer to what I'm used to hearing. And that was really important for me as a child. And it's no different with adults. We like to hear things that sound like, sound like us and uses the words that we use. So when translating a voice experience, we should take this into account and you know, uh, do our research before you know, using Google Translate or any other automated translation technology. That is a great point. And I love to hear that Harry Potter translated so well. I'm sure that's a really interesting read to read in two different languages. It is, yeah. Now, you have done a lot of experience in organizing and mentoring workshops and hackathons about actions on Google. And in fact, you've done over 34 events in two countries, 18 cities, and that was just for 2019. What got you started in hosting these events and how do you usually run them? What got me started is actually uh, GDG. Do you know about GDG communities, right? They're Google developer communities Mm -hmm. around the world. And I was a part of GDG Ankara. And at that point, I was already developing chatbots with API, or rather Dialogflow with the new name. Uh, But they were like trying to host a Google Assistant event just didn't have anyone to you know, talk about Google Assistant or the actions on Google platform. So I checked out the platform and saw that I already knew the technology behind it. And I told them I could do this. And then I did, and they really liked it. And they shared that uh, I knew this stuff with other GDG communities. Some of them called me, and then after I realized people wanted to hear what I got to say, I applied a couple events. And one way or another, I started doing this And I really liked the fact that finally I could give back to the community that has been giving to me for so long because I have learned a lot from developer communities in my past. And I really liked the idea of finally being able to share my knowledge and passion with them. So this is what started. How I actually run them right now depends on which kind of event I'm running. If I'm running a workshop, I try to keep the number of attendees between 20 to 40 because after 40, it really gets crowded and I can't answer every single question and I may miss some errors or others. Uh, But between these numbers, it's really productive. And I try to start with a talk, a mini talk, because even though we're doing a workshop, people still need to learn about the voice revolution to be actually able to appreciate the workshop itself. So I start with a minute talk. I talk about how the human-to-machine interaction is changing. And then I skip over to some statistics for people who likes numbers. I show them how the voice industry is growing. And then I actually talk about how many Turkish actions are there and why is this such a good field for young developers to pick a field and get used to it or get good at it because it's a niche field. Afterwards, I start the workshop. I have a set curriculum right now. 
I usually start with one action that can take one input and then repeat it. And then we take it one step further in the next part where we take that input and do something with it programmatically in the fulfillment. And afterwards, they all try it on their devices, whether it's Android phones or simulators, and they're good to go. That's the workshops that I hold for beginners. And if I'm running something more advanced, like, for example, people for people with intermediate programming skills, I usually go one step forward and have you know visual components shown to them, how you display cards, why you should display cards, how you can use carousels, and such and such. But sometimes we hold these special events where we take the whole day and start with dialogue design, conversation design, and then skip to the programming part. So it really depends on what kind of event we're running, but it's usually focused on getting the developers started because it's such a new field. In my talks, I you know like to focus on many different voice experiences that you can build, not just the uh, voice skills or voice you know actions on uh, Google, uh, but smart home actions or other experiences that they can build. In talks, I try to focus on them, but in workshops, I usually focus on the programming side of actions on Google. Well, I mean, if you're saying you do up to 40 people and you've done 34 events, that puts you at almost 1,400 people that you have influenced and taught and educated. And I want to first off congratulate you because that's a really big deal. And the effort that you're putting in, not only for Google, for Google Assistant and Voice, but in your local community. And I think that's something we don't talk about enough. So I want to congratulate you because that's huge. And I think it's the influence you're having is tremendous. And it will be exciting to see how many people get involved and learn just from the effort and the education that you are putting out. Thank you. That's really nice. Now, do you have any suggestions for those that are looking to run a voice technology workshop or hackathon event for developers in their area? If they're listening to you and they're like, oh, I'd love to do that, what would be a suggestion for them to start? As I said, I start always with a mini talk in the beginning of workshops. I definitely recommend it because we can, you know, teach programming all day long. Even if the attendees are already developers, we should still talk about the basics of voice because they may not be familiar with it, especially if it's an area that just got support for their language or haven't been really interested in voice industry. They need to talk about how it's growing. They need to talk about how it's changing interaction. And they also need to talk about the parts that we've already talked about, the emotions, the conversation design part. Uh, So they have to give these beforehand so that the developers can really appreciate uh, what's coming next. And if they're holding a hackathon, I still think that they should start with a mini-talk, but uh, they should also be prepared for developers who will try to build a mobile application out of a voice platform because that's something really common. That's what they're used to. And on hackathons, they have time pressure, so they immediately fall back to what they already know. They should be prepared for it. They should be, uh, you know, prepared to talk them out of it. And uh, this is actually one of the two most important suggestions. And uh, I think this is just going to change the event for the better. And do you have any advice for the developers that maybe are attending and trying to get into voice technology you know, what's different and what should they focus on learning more of? Voice technology right now is still in its, you know, uh, baby steps, so to speak. So uh, I, sh- I think everyone is uh, experimenting uh, in one way or another. 
some fields may seem like you know stable right now, but things will change in the upcoming years. So my advice for developers trying to get into voice technology is that they should be prepared to pivot, whether in terms of personal development or skill building, or in terms of building a startup. They need to be prepared for change in the platforms or in the APIs, and uh, they should also learn uh, more about storytelling and how they can write better dialogues, how they can write better conversations for their skills or experiences, because that's really important. We don't have the perfect AI right now, so we have to make sure that the users at least think of it perfect, think of it like it's perfect, or enjoy talking to it like it's perfect. So the way to do this is not programming good the way to do this is to create the right conversation in the right way. So my advice would be to read about the studies that, that's been done before or that are being done right now. Reading the studies will help. Learning about storytelling will help. I think they should really focus on building the experience first and programming second. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. The last question we like to ask on this show to help promote voice as a whole is, is there a current flash briefing or voice skill or experience that you're using and really enjoying right now? I use, as a voice experience, voice search a lot because you can answer such specific questions you know, in such a short time. The other day, my friend asked me if he could use his Logitech K380 keyboard with his smart TV. And I knew theoretically he could because it's a Bluetooth keyboard, but I still wanted to make sure. And I asked Google, hey G, can I use Logitech K380 with my smart TV? And it just immediately gave me the answer for this such a specific question. It's really impressive in the voice search department. But as a flash briefing or skill, I actually use a couple of Turkish actions and they focus around productivity. I also use the 1P actions that's focused around productivity, like the uh, creating events, creating reminders, setting up alarms. These are really the things I use the most because it's really convenient for me. And as far as uh, being entertained goes, I like to joke around with uh, voice platforms as well. I ask them to give me jokes and I use the uh, dead jokes or pun skills a lot. I like it. Now, if people want to connect with you and learn more about anything we spoke about today, where can they do that? They can connect with me on any social platform with the username Y-T-O-L-U-N. It's the first letter of my name and my last name. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. They can connect with me. If they have any questions about actions on Google, I'd be more than happy to answer them. That's it. Perfect. And I want to thank you again so much, not only for being here today, calling in from Turkey, but also again, all the work that you're doing for your community, for developers and helping them to understand Google Assistant and voice technology and really spreading the word. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. This was really a pleasure of mine. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. Music